Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for the Cannon Fire podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes. So head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out. episode 180 just 20 away from the big 200 i'm your host as always right matthew joined alongside me my good buddy and co-host philly bucks fan himself mr evan wanish it is officially draft week the 2021 nfl draft just a few days away today on the show we're going to be looking at the defensive side of the ball going over some top prospects, maybe some targets the Buccaneers have, and some realistic choices. We had some fun last week with our guy Trevor Sikama from the Draft Network going over the offensive side of things. Today we are looking at the other side of the football. Very special guest returning to the podcast. You know him well. From PewterReport.com, Mr. Matt Matera joins the program. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I am great, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And huh, I just want to check the stat real quick. That's right. The Bucs are still Super Bowl champions. Hell so yeah, Mike brother. Is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Can't get any better than that. Evan, how are you doing, man? Doing very good. If you want me honest, Matt, I thought that was going to be a Phillies joke. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought that's what it was going to be, but I'm glad you you chose uh, chose the the team that that won a championship. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good and really excited to, to get going. It's It's hard to believe that the draft is literally, like, here pretty much. Yeah. Listen – I'll kick things off and and I'll be 110% honest with you fellas. Uh, It has been one of the hardest things I've had to do caring about the draft this year. Like, I don't know what it is about pick 32 that really just brings a different element to not having to care about the draft, but I wasn't a big draft guy before. And this year is obviously no exception, but you know, when you're picking all the way at the end of every single round, when you're a team like the Bucks, where you're not really addressing a huge need anywhere, you know, there's not a huge hole they have to fill. It seems like anybody they get, they're either going to be in a position where they have to just kind of, you know, warm up for a season or two, or uh, I don't know, just be depth at the end of the day, depending on what they decide to do with pick 32. But let's go ahead and talk about it. It is draft week. And uh, what comes with being around draft time is obviously a ton of mock drafts. You guys have been doing a bunch of draft stuff over at Pewter Report. John Ledyard released his final mock draft today. He had the Bucks taking Joe Tryon 
the edge rusher from Washington. And Matt, you had actually predicted Joe Tryon in a Pewter Report roundtable a little while ago. What are your thoughts on Tryon out of Washington and uh, his fit in Tampa Bay? We'll just ask you that right off of the bat. Well, the Bucks have a good connection with the Washington players. They obviously drafted Vita Vea a couple of seasons ago with their first round pick. Uh, their head coach, Jimmy Lake, used to be a uh, be an assistant coach with the Buccaneers on two separate stints. So they obviously have a very good relationship with him. With Tryon, uh, he's played in 3-4 defense, so he'd obviously be a very good fit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 3-4 defense. Now, he opted out of the 2020 season, so we haven't seen him play since 2019. But overall, he's a guy, he's got great size and uh, good speed as well for a player of his caliber. And he improved as the season went on. I believe he had eight and a half sacks, and most of them came later in the season. But I think more important than anything else, and you see with this Bucs defense, there's so many talented players, but they all play together. They all play as one unit. And something that's really good with Tryon is that he has a motor. He's always... Like, he's all energy all the time. Kind of like, obviously a very different player, but kind of how Nacho is one of the more vocal guys on the team, like Devin White is. He's another guy that brings that all-out energy, optimal, optimal performance every single time. And that's just another player that this Bucks defense could use because they don't need a starter right now. They need a guy with depth, a guy that can sit, behind Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul and learn from them and get groomed for a 2022 season. So I think he's a really interesting prospect in that regard. Whenever the term high motor gets tossed around, like, I, I, dude, I, I'm, I, I'm not ashamed <laughs> of it, but I'm a huge Carl Nassib guy. And, like, that's what I think of when I think of a player with a high motor because there were so many times where you'd see Carl Nassib show up on tape where he makes a play after everybody kind of assumes the play is over or even his rep is over. He'll still be giving you 110%. Um, and it's a great point you made about, you know, the situation that he'd be coming in here. He's probably going to have to uh, sit behind JPP Shaq Barrett for a little while. He'll get some snaps, I'm sure. But, you know, JPP and Shaq Barrett, Shaq coming off of a deal, they're not going to give up snaps. Um, and they have been, right. you know, pretty solid. They have been one of the most productive duos in the league at pressuring the quarterback. I think if not the best, uh, these past couple of seasons. So those are two guys that, you know, he can find himself in a very attractive position. If you're talking about sitting behind an edge rusher, or, you know, kind of finding snaps where you can get them. Those are two guys that, uh, you know, aren't too bad to learn from basically. Evan, your thoughts on, uh, on try on. Yeah, I, I I think it's a it's a real perfect landing spot for him. And I actually I sp I spoke with uh, Joe Tryon a, a few months ago. Actually, um, I posted the interview on on uh, Bucks Daily, and I asked him. I said, "Have you have you met with the Bucks?" And he said, "Yeah, I have." He said, "You know, meetings are positive." Um, he said that they loved his his approach, and he even said that he believes that it would be a, a perfect landing spot for him. And uh, because I I personally I don't think Joe Tryon is ready to to step in in a starting role right away. And good thing is he doesn't have to in Tampa Bay. Uh, you were literally under no pressure. Um, and, and you know if you for any honestly for any rookie that's drafted uh, by the Bucks, you're not really under a lot of pressure this season uh, to perform at a high level. If you do, great, right? Uh, but I think this is about a lot of people are looking at edge slash outside linebacker. This is about getting that third guy. You have Jason Bear, Paul, you have Shaq Barrett, Anthony Nelson at this point, I think is what he is. Uh, I, I don't really think he's ever going to become a consistent, 
pass rush threat. And also, I, I can't see him being the guy to replace Jason Pierre-Paul if Pierre-Paul decides to move on and free agency or retire or whatever the case may be. I can't see him being that guy. I could see Tryon being that guy. And you talk about, you know, a lot of his motor. He's a versatile guy, too. Uh, the Huskies run a very similar scheme to the Bucks, actually. Uh, defensive scheme that the, like a lot of formations, a lot of different looks. So I think Tryon would be comfortable with it. Uh, he said he was looking forward. He told me, I, I, I mentioned Vita Vea and he said that, you know, Hey, uh, yeah, I, w- I would love to, to play Vita Vea again. And then I, I also asked him, you know, what's, what, what do you feel is the best part of your game? And, and he, he did say that uh, he thinks his versatility um, is the best part of his game. And also, uh, he can make an instant impact as a pass rusher and a high energy player, sort of like what you said, uh, Matt, about that that motor and you know, his leadership ability. So I don't even know if he's going to be there at 32 at this point. Um, <laughs> his stock is really I, I remember I think Pewter Report had him in the second round uh, in a mock draft not too long ago. But now like he's not going to be at 64. Um so I, I'm not even sure he's going to be at 32. I mean, you look at Baltimore, who just traded for 31. They need an edge rusher. He could fit their profile. Look at Buffalo could use one. So I'm not even sure he's going to be there. But if he is, um, I think Tryon could be a pretty good pick. And I think maybe you can move back a little and pick him. But I, I just I don't think the Bucks are going to have much interest in the way Jason Light spoke. I don't think they're going to have much interest in, in stockpiling picks for this year. Right. And, and sorry, Rhett. Uh, no, you're good, man. Um, you mentioned the versatility. I mean, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, yeah. loves versatility. We've seen Shaq and most notably JPP drop back in coverage. JPP I've seen Adamkin two... Sue drop back in coverage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one time Sue was lined up as like a middle linebacker. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, this is insane. And then he gets a running start. So, yeah, Bowles loves versatility. Jason Pierre-Paul, two interceptions. Uh, he usually loves versatile safeties with Antoine Winfield Jr., but he'll take versatility anywhere he can get it. It's funny, so many times looking at this draft and because the Bucs were able to bring back literally everyone on like both sides of the ball, there is no need for this roster. There are certain wants. You want this guy. You want that guy for what he can do. Yeah, they, they could show up some, some things on in depth perspective, but there's no needs that this team has. So in a way, I almost feel like that Yes, this is the 2021 NFL draft. It feels like they're drafting for the 2022 NFL draft. Because we're all yeah. looking at guys. I think before the Giovanni Bernard signing uh, at running back, I would say the three big positions that the Bucs would maybe want to look at in the early rounds for this year's draft would be defensive tackle to replace someone like Sue, edge rusher to replace someone like um, JPP, and then running back because Fournette, now Bernard, and uh, Ronald Jones are all on the last year of their deal, so that could be another position. So it's the 2021 draft, but it does feel like it's the 20. Everything's all set up for 2022. Yeah. And as time goes by, like you've been able to narrow down the list a little bit. Like I know for a while, any pick that people had the Bucks taking at 32 didn't seem too outlandish because, like you said, it's a team that doesn't really have that many needs. You're not going to draft a guy to immediately just plug into a hole like you would have Devin White a couple years ago. Um, So one of the things that we had talked about uh, was actually a wide receiver last week, just because, you know, similar boat with Chris Godwin. I feel like he's ultimately going to get his money. Trevor had said he feels like Bucks are able uh, Bucks are going to be able to find a way to keep Godwin in Tampa. But 
I don't know, man. I just don't think they're going to be paying two wide receivers what they're paying Mike Evans and ultimately what Chris Godwin's going to want. So if you draft a wide receiver at 32, you know what I mean? It makes sense because you're going to have a guy potentially gone next year. You don't really know what's going on with Antonio Brown still. That that case against them got cleared up, got settled. So maybe some other teams will speak out and have interest. We'll hear something about that soon. But there really wasn't any wrong way you could go. And I think that's the fun part in all of this so far. And again, going back to my initial point at the beginning, that's just why I haven't done my homework like I have these past few years. And I'll, I'll admit that here on the show. But we've talked a lot about different defensive guys over our draft coverage. But I wanted to get your uh, thoughts, Matt. What are some of the best defensive fits you see for the Buccaneers at 32? Are there any guys that jump out at you that, you know, like a try on seems like a perfect fit? But is there anybody else on your board that you think could ultimately just, you know, Nothing but great things landing in Tampa. Perfect situation. I mean, I really like, and I don't I don't know if he'll be there in the first round. I really like Jalen Phillips yeah. out of Miami. Yeah. I just think his talent, he would be a guy. I, I know we mentioned that uh, JPP and Shaq Barrett don't like to give up snaps at all. But I could just see some scenarios where you only bring in Jalen Phillips for a um, – just for like a pass rushing situation in the event Shaq needs a breather or JVP needs a breather. And you're asking this guy just to pass rush. I think that would be such a fun thing to see with, with the speed that he has and his ability to create turnovers and things like that. I really think he would be super fun to, uh, to see in the red computer. If we're going to look at a later round pick now, Scott Reynolds, my boss, PeterReport.com has tabbed this guy as like his guy. This is the guy that he is in love with. But let's set the record straight. I had this guy in my mock draft in our <laughs> Bucks battle plan. There you go. And um, that is the linebacker out of Purdue, uh, Derek Barnes. Yeah. And listen, we love the linebackers here in Tampa, Devin White and the Levante David, like the best linebacker duo in football. But eventually, there is going to be a day where the Bucs need to get a new linebacker. They need depth right now. I mean, they have Kevin Minter, and I think Kevin Minter is an awesome backup linebacker because when he has played in games, including the, uh, the super wildcard round against Washington, he's a great backup to just fill in right away, good to go. Oh, I yeah. think it's that LSU connection. But with Barnes, I listen, David's only here for two more years. Who knows what will happen after that? Maybe they'll resign him. Maybe he retires. Maybe go somewhere else. We don't know. But when that situation comes, you can either draft the linebacker now, draft the linebacker that same year or the year that hypothetically David leaves, or you sign a linebacker in free agency that has to now learn the Bucks defense. I would go with the first option of drafting a linebacker now, a guy that you can get ready and you will already know this defense I think drafting a guy like that right now who can already have an impact on special teams, listen, you're not going to find a Devin White every single draft. And you know why? Because the Bucs aren't going to be drafting that early. So I'd rather already put your ducks in a row and have a, have a player for the future, a guy that's like very instinctual, a guy that's a smart player. He's a tackling machine. I think he'd be a great fit in like the fourth or fifth round. And, um, you know, Scott's been very high on him, but he was in my mock draft. So, boom, just there it is. <laughs> put that, just put that on the record for you got when the you're like, oh, what's well, the time stamp? Scott said. Yeah, that's all you need, man. And I mean, the thing of the thing I want real quick about Barnes is, um, 
his blitzing ability is also very good. And obviously we know that the Bucks love to send our linebackers blitz. And whether, oh, yeah. that, whether that is Devin White, Levante David, um, I think Devin White sometimes is a better blitzer than he is an actual linebacker. Um, I agree. And then even Kevin Minter. The, Kevin Minter is not known as a blitzing linebacker per se, but he still likes to send them. Uh, so, yeah, b- beyond Kevin Minter, there's not much there. And like we said, you're talking about the future. Right. This is 2022. This is 2023. That's why this is such a luxury for any pick, whether it's 32, 64, 95, whatever it is, it's a real luxury. And yeah, a guy like Barnes, I think can make a lot of sense. Phillips, not really a whole lot. We can say we've, we've talked about him on this show a lot. Rhett knows that. Um, I think that's probably Rhett's biggest guy because I've been really raving about him. So uh, I just, yeah, he's going to be a top 20 pick probably. And I just, I just don't think they'll have the ammo to be able to move up for a guy like him. Um, but also he has injury concerns. What better way to minimize injury concerns than to not have him on the field constantly in his first year, right. which, and again, he would not have to do. So uh, if this guy was, was completely healthy and no injury concerns, he'd be a top 10 pick easily. Um, maybe probably the first defensive player off the board, but unfortunately with those concerns, it'll slide him down a bit, but probably not enough. Uh, for the Bucks to land him at 32. Now, with the Bucks picking at 32, we've talked a lot about it. seems like most names that you bring up that are really studs, it's like, well, if they're there, you know, a Joe Tryon, a Jalen Phillips, like we had just brought up, the question then becomes, is he going to be there at 32? Chances are probably not. Matt, my question for you, are the Bucks in a position where, you know, they would move up for an impact guy like that if they really see one that they like? Um, I know we've talked about them trading up to like 26 before if the price is right. You know, if they can find a deal, uh, would crazy. you would you be shocked to see a move up on draft night? No, not at all. I think if the Bucks have a guy that they're they're really zeroing in on and they want to target, they will absolutely do what needs to, you know, they need to do what they need to do to get that pick. I mean, think about the draft last year. They moved up one spot to one get spot, Tristan yeah. Wirfs. And it was Let all it was you. really, yeah, it was all they needed. They was might it not worth win it? a super they might was not win wor- a Super Bowl. <laughs> Without, without <laughs> so it, it was absolutely worth it, you know, and um, they I believe they traded back when uh, when they got Vita Vea and yep. people weren't happy about that. But I mean, I remember the big argument was Derwin James, Derwin and, James. Vita Vea, yeah. and everyone was very mad. And obviously injuries suck. And that's been a big issue with Derwin James. But like, clearly that pick has paid off <laughs> with Vita Vea. Oh, yeah. So the, the Bucks have shown that they're not afraid to trade up, trade back. They trade back, and um, they're able to get some good corners, namely Carlton Davis. So, yeah. That, the was, that would... was in that in that Vita Vea deal. They, they yeah. moved back from yeah. 7 to 12, and then they got Carlton Davis. And yeah. also, I believe that same draft, they moved up into the third round to get Alex Kappa. So. Now, at there this point, what do you think is more likely, them trading back? maybe get some more picks. You can work on some depth in some places you see fit, or do they, you know, move up and really commit to that impact player? Because as time goes by at first, I was really comfortable with the idea that like, listen, they're going to trade out of 32. They're going to get back, get some extra picks in the mid rounds, load up on depth. I think it's a safe bet. You know what I mean? You don't have to feel like you're really reaching for anybody. Um, but, but what do you think, you know, as, as we get closer, it seems like, it's a little bit more likely that they would, you know, kind of go balls to the wall and trade up. Um, but, but what do you think? That's a really good question because the 32 pick is so valuable because you get that fifth year option with having a first round pick. 
I'm going to say it's like 51-49, but I think because this team is all in and like clearly the window is right now with Tom yeah. Brady, and it's already paid off. They already have one Super Bowl, right. but they obviously want to go for two and potentially three. So I think, again, 51-49, I'm saying that they trade up and get the number one guy that they have on their board, the guy that they think will make the biggest impact on the team, whether it's offense or defense for that season. I think it's very close, but uh, since, you know, all the chips are on the table, trading up, I think would be the move that they make. Yeah. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to agree, but I'm also going to say, I don't think it's that close. I think it's more of a 60, 40 in favor of trading up if they were to make a move just based on, lights comments about how he said you know those late round picks might not even make the team like where's the spot for some of those yeah you know the the fifth and sixth round picks like where's the spot for them where normally you know like i think a fourth round pick you, you gotta you gotta remember the bucks are picking so late and i've reminded people on this podcast a lot the second round pick is essentially a third round pick the third round pick yeah. is essentially a fourth round pick so like that fourth round pick that they select, it's essentially a fifth round pick. It, where's his spot? Because you, I mean, you're not probably going to cut him, right? But like, where, where's his spot? So, if they were to move back, I would think it would be for 2022 picks, uh, and just trying to load up there, uh, because I think they just want to keep replenishing, right? And I mean, that's what a lot of the good teams do. You see a lot of people, big time players get signed to free agency and they're leaving these good teams to go to the crappy teams, but the good teams can let them go because they've drafted well and they have the picks to be able to yeah. replenish the, the system. Um, so I, I just, I don't think if they were to move back, I don't believe it would be for uh, many picks in 2021. I think you might see, you know, 2022. And the reason they might move back is like you said, uh, Matt, uh, you know, that fifth year option is very valuable and 32 is the last chance to get it. Once it's 33, a fifth year option is no more. So a team at 36, maybe Philly at 37, I think uh, they could be looking, maybe they want a receiver or a corner, maybe they move up. Um, but I think right now I would agree that if they target a Jalen Phillips or a quitty pay or even a Joe Tryon, I, I don't think we're, we're, none of us are expecting them to trade into the top, 15 right. even top even top 20 but you know jacksonville at 25 if they wanted to move back and pick up an extra pick cleveland at 26 uh, you know baltimore at 27 if they wanted to move back so they had 31 and 32 does not worry about it i you know, i think you could see a scenario like that and i do think that i'm not saying they're trading up but i think it's more likely they move up than move back yeah and 2022 the bucks are going to be in a similar spot right. where they're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be set for free agency. I mean, Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, Carlton Davis. So if they're not able to re-sign all those guys, which I mean, the you fact that they're, you can't do every year. That's right. And the fact gig. that they were able to do it in 2021 was already insane. If they, if they were able years, to do that maybe. in 2022, that would like anything is possible, but that, that would, that would be crazy. I mean, we've never yeah. seen an off season like that. So yeah, it would be really important to stockpile picks in 2022 where okay if if kappa is gone maybe they could replace him in next year's draft or something yeah. like that Here, so, here's yeah. here's one one little nugget that i just want to put into people's heads in regards to the 2022 draft um obviously it's a long way away but todd bowles got head coaching interviews this this cycle he didn't get a job 
Byron Leftwich, I don't believe you even got any interviews. Right. But, you know, people pay attention to who won the Super Bowl, right? Oh, yeah. And, and people want that. <laughs> people want players from the Super Bowl team. They want the coaches. If the Bucks were to lose Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, the new rule is that they re- would receive a third-round comp pick for each. So let's say they lose Byron Leftwich and Tom Bowles. They get two third-round comp picks in 2022. So they would have three third-round picks in, in 2022 if they were to lose those two guys. Of course, I think their value is more to the Bucks than a third-round pick, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially a guy like Todd Bowles. But in the unfortunate case that they do lose those guys, there would be some compensation coming back. So just wanted to, to put that out there that, yeah, they have a tremendous chance to really replenish. And then, like you said, the long list of frades in 2022, probably not going to sign them all. You get comp picks for 2023. It just, it, it starts to, you're starting to get into that comp pick game. Like the Ravens are, are so notoriously good at. Hey, it's Rhett. And, and listen, something you might not know about me is I love to fish I got a bunch of family that also loves to fish, and that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the newest sponsor, the Cannon Fire Podcast, our guys over at Monster Bass. Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door every single month. It's a premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and the type of fish in your area. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. Basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide, and it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for their bait. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They've got the best baits from the best brands, and you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to MonsterBass.com and use the code BUCKS10 to get $10 off of your first order. That is B-U-C-S-1-0 to get 10 bucks off your first box over at monsterbass.com. Sign up today and tell them Rhett from the Cannon Fire Podcast sent you over there. Well, we're kind of on the topic of, you know, drafting for the future. I wanted to bring up this idea to you, Matt. I'd be shocked if they went this direction at 32, but somewhere in the first three rounds, you brought up the idea uh, that, you know, free agency is going to be looming in 2022. Guys like Carlton Davis, I think Jordan Whitehead Jordan also Whitehead. on that list. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the first three rounds this year, do you think there's room for the Bucks to take a player in the secondary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's been a couple of players that have been um, that have been linked to the Bucks uh, at safety and cornerback, uh, namely safety. Um, yeah. the, the safety out of TCU, he's slipping my mind right now. Tra- Tra- Trayvon Morig or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't exactly sure how to pronounce his last. There's a couple guys in this draft. I don't know how to pronounce. Uh, their, oh, there's their a, there's a lot name. of crazy ass names. We're going to, we're going to talk about a name here in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a position again, because Carlton and, and Jordan Whitehead could be gone. That's definitely a position they could take in the early rounds, because I think if you're asking who's more replaceable, whether it's Jordan Whitehead or Carlton Davis, I, I think the Bucks could find a replacement for Jordan Whitehead. I mean, you already have Mike, a little bit different, you know, skill set and things like that. But like Mike Edwards improved his game this season. Obviously, Jordan Whitehead's a hard hitting guy. He's great in the run game. But, you know, the, the Bucks have very capable safeties back there. And obviously, Antoine Winfield Jr. is the, the safety of the year. The question is at cornerback because, and I think this season will be so fun to watch with Carlton because Carlton took a huge 
huge step forward this season. And obviously we all saw like, oh, he shut down DeAndre Hopkins like two years ago in that, that Texans game. And the question really was, can he do it again this season? And I think the answer overall was a resounding yes. Now the question is, does Carlton take his game to the next level? Does he, even if he stayed like the same this year, how valuable is he? Like, where does he come on the, on the Bucks priority list as, as a free agent where, okay. Like if Chris Godwin is number one, is Carlton Davis number two? Like where does Ryan Jensen fall into that? Um, there are some guys obviously in this year's draft, I think would be interesting. Um, I'm a big advocate of drafting guys who have a family history of playing in the NFL. I mean, clearly it worked with Antoine Winfield. I think Asante Samuel would be very interesting. Yeah, Asante Samuel Jr. would be very interesting. Uh, you caught me off um, guard with that one. I was like, well, I'm listening, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that would be super interesting, especially if he falls to the second round. I've seen him, you know, mocked in the first round. I've seen him drop yeah. in the second round. I think that would be super interesting in the second round. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely – that's definitely a position. I, I feel like cornerback almost falls to the wayside because there's been so much focus on edge rusher and defensive tackle. Right. But yeah, because Sue is older and it's like expected that he's not going to be here after next season and kind of the same thing with JPP. But yeah, I don't think corner especially could be overlooked. That's definitely a position that if the Bucks have their guy in the first three rounds, that's absolutely they should look at that position and take a corner. Yeah, I, I do like uh, Samuel. Uh, I do do like Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, you bring up a good point that a lot of times, you know, you do like to to draft the guys that have a, a family history of the NFL because a lot of times they seem to work out. You know, they, yeah. they literally – those guys literally grow up in football. Like, they, they, they grow up and they're – you know, from day one of their birth, their life is football. Um, and they're just – they're around the game so much. They seem to be really intelligent players. Uh, so yeah, it, it does. You do bring up a good point there, uh, and obviously Samuel Jr. would would appease all the the Florida State fans as well. So um, I, I wouldn't mind him at 64, 32. Drafting a, a corner or a safety at thirty two, especially corner, to me it's just a year too early. Um, I I don't see Carlton Davis going anywhere. Uh, I I just they they drafted him, they developed him, they were patient with him. I, I think they finally have their, their shutdown guy. Not, not really a top five corner, but I mean, with the NFL today, it's just so geared towards offense that I think, you know, when you have a guy like Carlton Davis, if he, like you said, if he replicates his, his you know, 2020 year this year, I think you, you got to pay him. You just, you got to bring him back. In, and in the, uh, in the landscape, uh, I mean, you know, the landscape of the corner position in the NFL too. I know we've said this on the show before, but you, you don't really have that many Darrell Revis is walking around no. anymore. You know what I mean? Like you don't There's have a like lot of two. defenses that have that shut down corner that everybody yeah. really wants Carlton Davis to be. And the notion used to be for Carlton is that he had terrible hands and he, he couldn't catch the ball Super at all. Handsy. And that was the case for a while, but he had some interceptions this it, year. It, where it, he had four. Yeah. So he's trying to change that a little bit. Now, granted, I think one or two were like, balls i got tipped and he he's able to come down i think the one in the one against new york the giants i believe was the, either, the one the think, one was just the, that was just an awful throw by jones right um that was the, the yeah, one, yeah the, was, the one against chicago was tipped by robinson kind of right into his hand right. i remember that one yeah. but still i mean he's four interceptions making those you, plays you can't, yep. you can't um you can't really dis discredit that at all so especially if he's upping his interception game 
then yeah, he becomes, I think that's the thing too, that we're talking about with that cornerback's been a little overshadowed because I think the expectation is that they're going to re-sign Carlton Davis, right? not guaranteed, but I believe that's the expectation, which yeah. is why everyone's driven their focus to, to other yeah. positions. Yeah. So like I said, it's just to me, it's a year too early because Sean Murphy bunting and Jamel Dean both have two years left on their year. If they are all free agents next year, then sure. But you, you can't keep all three if they're free agents in the same year. Um, but I just I think it's a year a year too early. I think next year maybe you could be looking at one because I, I don't I, I think you'd have a tough time re-signing both Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. Um, I think you might have a tough time there. So you might have to choose one or the other there. And maybe you look for a corner. Murphy Bunting's more of the inside guy. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you let Jamel Dean walk and draft your outside guy in 2022. Uh, I just right now to me, drafting a corner in the first three rounds. Just a year too early. And safety, the same thing. I like Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield's here for obviously the next three years on a cheap rookie contract. Um, so I, I just I, – I wouldn't – I wouldn't hate it. It, it. Like I said, it, round two, round three, especially round four is my sweet spot. I think round four for a cornerback or a safety would make a lot of sense because you can still have a lot of depth there. Um, and those guys play special teams. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. Special teams guy. Yeah, I mean, with that. Ryan Smith was a fourth round pick and he was on a team for, I believe, what, five or six years and was, you know, I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring him back, but maybe they have the intentions of drafting somebody in the fourth or fifth round uh, to play special teams. So I I don't know if I'd be, I'd be surprised if it was at 32, if they drafted a corner or safety. I personally wouldn't draft one in the first three rounds, but I can see the argument being made to draft uh Probably a corner. I, I wouldn't. I can't really be convinced to draft the safety. I agree. Yeah, um, safety. Especially, road. especially a year after well, you drafted Mike Edwards in the third round, twenty nineteen. You drafted Antoine Winfield in the second round, twenty twenty. Like picking another safety in the first three rounds to be a third straight year would be. Uh, I have a tough time with that. But corner, I, I could see round two, round three. But just I have a tough time round one. Yeah. Now, one more position group I wanted to ask you about before we start to wrap up here. People have been pretty vocal uh, about uh, how not so great this defensive line draft class is. Warren Sapp <laughs> was on the Pewter Nation podcast, had some you know not great Beautiful. things to say. I mean, even Jason Light has been a little <laughs> bit vocal about how it's just not his favorite draft class as far as interior defensive line goes. Matt, do you take a chance on one of those guys at 32, uh, or do you kind of buy into the noise that everybody else is saying where, you know, just don't, don't even bother? In regards to a first-round pick i think you only take a chance on the top two defensive linemen and that's christian barmore who i had mocked in uh my mock draft as the first pick or uh another guy from washington levi Onzerike. yeah (laughs) we'll just go with uh, levi um yeah i mean there's been a ton of people saying they don't love the defensive line class as you just mentioned jason light now again that comes down to Oh, well, we're getting closer to the draft. Everyone has an opinion, and who knows who's blowing smoke and who's not. Right. Um, I, Barmore is interesting because I was – I think uh, he's obviously – like he's huge and he's, he's quite powerful, but a lot of times, especially when I was watching – like he was great in the national championship. He was great in the college football playoff and the SEC championship – but a lot the the thing that concerns me about him is that he's really good with like the bull rush and just kind of overpowering his guy. But he never really had 
it wasn't bad with his hands, but he never really had like a top go to pass rushing move other than just kind of overpowering the right. guy trying to block him. You're clearly not going to be able to do that all the time in the NFL. It's the best of the best. So that concerns me a little bit. And then the fact that Warren Sapp was like, I worked with this guy personally and I thought he was terrible. Obviously, it's not a great ringing endorsement. Yeah, right. And obviously, <laughs> when you hear something like that from a Hall of Famer like Warren Sapp, uh, you know, that that means something. That's not just like anyone else trying to say something like that. Yeah. With that said, Sapp also wasn't a huge fan of Chase Young. And like, obviously, Chase Young did what he did as a rookie. Um, so I think those the, the first two guys right there for the defensive line. If you want to take them in the first round, I'm not necessarily going to hate it. I think what it comes down to for me, and again, if we're strictly just talking about the first round, when it, when it comes down to either picking a defensive lineman or an edge rusher, you got to look at free agency as well. Uh, and I know we keep talking about the future. And I think it's a lot easier to replace a you pretty much to replace Nadam Kinsu, you would go with the similar thought process that you did to sign Nadam Kinsu. All right, you're going to take a veteran defensive lineman that's like good at stopping in this situation for the box because they're still going to have Vita Vea. So you're looking for more of like a run stuffer, that type of guy. You take a veteran guy that still has some juice left and you could sign him for much cheaper than like trying to find the next big pass rusher and you're going to have to probably overpay and spend a lot more money on that one position than you could allocating it to different areas. So I think it's much easier to find a defensive lineman through free agency, which would, you know, make you more inclined to, to draft a, uh, a defensive, uh, sorry, an edge rusher with that pick. If you want to look a little bit later in the draft, um, another school that the Bucks have really been keen on picking lately is out of Iowa. There's a guy, Davion Nixon. He's a little smaller, but I really like a lot of things in his game. Um, he's really quick off the ball. He's very strong for even being a, a smaller guy. And he really gets the gap very quickly. So that's a guy in a later round. I would be really interested if, if the Bucks took a flyer on him. Yeah, I, uh, I would, I wouldn't mind Nixon in, in the, in the second round. I actually, I, I spoke with him as well. Uh, nice, man. D- Davion Nixon and, and Joe Tryon were the two prospects. I, there I spoke you go. To. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it would be pretty good for the brand. Right. Um, you know, the thing with Barmore at this point, I, I just don't think he's going to be there. I just, I, I don't see a way he's at 32. Like he's sort of like a Jalen Phillips at the start of this. I thought maybe they could be there at 32, but I mean, Barmore's the top interior defensive lineman in an interior defensive line class that's not deep. Uh, I just, I don't think, I think Barmore's going to end up going top 20 uh, when, when it's all said and done. I just, I, I think he's going to go higher than some people expect him to, and he's not going to be there. As far as uh, Levi, oh no, uh, yeah, stick Levi. with Levi. Yeah, <laughs> Levi. Uh, Levi from Washington. Uh, another guy who, who would fit their scheme because it's a very similar scheme. And I think they probably do like him because I think they just, I think they look at every Washington player because I yeah. think they're, they're very yeah. comfortable with that. Um, they signed uh, Benning. Uh, Washington has a lot of weird last names, but they signed as I believe as a uh, UDFA last year, uh, Benning something. So they signed him from Washington. Uh, I think, you know, Uzurike, I, I tried it. Um, that was good. That was good. good. Yeah. Uh, well, I, man, if the Bucks draft, I'm going to really have to get used to it. Got to take some practice. But um, 
at him at 32 would be a slight reach for me. Just, I think you could maybe move back and still get a guy like him. Uh, and then Barmore at 32, I just don't think it's going to happen. Nixon, Nixon in the second round is interesting to me um, because I do like – I just think he's very raw and he's not ready to go right now. But yet again, he doesn't have to be ready to go right, right now. So um, that's a big key. To me, though, I personally wouldn't expect them to draft one in the first two rounds simply because – Jason Light, you know, you know, yeah, he did say that it's not as strong as it's been in years past. He also made the comments that the offensive side of the ball is much more stronger in this class uh, than defensive, but also actions speak louder than words. And what did he do? He re-signed Steve McClendon, brought back Nadam Kinsu, and re-signed Nacho. Three interior defensive linemen. I, I know Nacho plays a lot of nose tackle and stuff, but still, you know, he's going to have his hand in the dirt down there. Kept Will Golston. Um, you have Khalil Davis. Yeah. Obviously, just, he didn't play much last year, but, you know. Yeah. I, it's just, I, I have a tough time. And I think the re, and I th- even believe Light said this, like that definitely factored in, like the, the, you know, the weakness of this class being the interior defensive line factored into his decisions to bring back Nacho and Steve McClendon and keep Will Golston and, and stuff like that. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to draft one in the first two rounds. If Barmore's there at 32, I think he's probably the pick. Um, I mean, he'd be fine. I, I think he could be a solid player. Just like Matt said, though, the NFL, you're not going to, these aren't college kids anymore. You're not going to overpower everybody. So you're going to have to work on that. And, um, that's what makes Vita Vea so impressive is that like, because he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like these are, these are, he does it, he does it with he's one hand. He's got one yeah. guy on each arm. Yeah. These are, these are grown men and he's just throwing them around. So in the NFL Barmore, he would have to learn to adjust to that. Obviously. Um, I think he'd be, he'd be a, he'd be a good pick. Just don't think he's going to be there. So I, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to draft uh, one in the first two rounds. I think, I would expect them to draft one at some point in this draft. I, I think they would just, they would like to have some depth there. Maybe another young guy similar to Khalil Davis that they can kind of develop. Um, but I wouldn't expect one very high. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's just about going to wrap up this episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Matt Matera from PeterReport.com. Thank you so much for jumping on the show, buddy. Always a pleasure talking ball with you. Where can people find your work and uh, you have anything up and coming for after the draft? Uh, we have a couple special guests coming on the Peter Report podcast uh, at some point in the future, probably before the season starts. So I'll leave you with a little teaser for that. Uh, you can follow all my work on PeterReport.com, follow at Peter Report, and then my personal Twitter account is at Maddie 4 underscore Matera. Um, yeah, so check out PeterReport.com. Follow me on Twitter there. And uh, thank you guys for having me. It's always fun when uh, when we're doing this on the podcast. Oh, yeah, buddy. Follow our podcast on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can check out my co-host on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. He had mentioned it earlier had a couple of interviews with some draft prospects. If you haven't checked those out, make sure you do so. They're pretty good reads, and uh, you'll get a bit of exclusive insight about those prospects that you won't get anywhere else. That is, once again, Bucks Daily on Instagram. You can also find them on Twitter at EvanNFL. I am Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you guys for listening to this pre-draft edition of the Cannon Fire podcast presented by Bet Online. Shout out to our sponsors, Bet Online and Monster Bass. 
We'll talk to you guys a little bit later. We got one more draft show for you. That'll be coming soon. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan and Matt. We'll catch you later. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.